I'm excited to get back into life and, and get this this train rolling again. Um, yeah, I mean, and- anxiety is actually a gift. So yeah. I recently read a book I'd recommend called um, Future Tense, such a good name. And Future it's Tense. Guy, Future Tense, yeah. And there's okay. a picture of a, of a puffer fish all blown up on the cover. It's very funny. Um, and it's written by a psychologist who only studies anxiety. And her sort of thesis is to flip this on its head where anxiety is such a natural evolutionary protective mechanism. It's emergency planning. It's telling us about taking action. It's, you know, thinking ahead, you know, anxiety tends to be very future oriented and that, and, you know, when we worry and we hold it in our bodies, of course, it can be really problematic, but what we're fighting against is in our culture, we have, you know, done so much work to try to um, be comfortable and avoid discomfort that then we haven't really learned to work with anxiety. You know, it's like, oh, we need to de-stress. We need to da-da. Well, maybe you actually have a reason to be stressed. Like, life is tough. You do need to plan. There are things, very real things to worry about. So let's work with it because maybe the more we fight against it, the worse it's going to be. And like, what wisdom is the anxiety telling you? It's telling you, we're going to prepare for all this stuff, which is actually true, right? Yeah. Like it can really fuel so much of the miracles we can pull off. I mean, I know for me, like nothing like a deadline, right? Um, you know, and I think, I mean, of course we can hold it in our bodies and there was, there's ways to work through this, but um, there's a real, there's a real gift and there's a real wisdom to anxiety when, when it comes, when it's there. So, and again, I think it's all comes also comes down to connection. If we're like anxiety anxious and we're alone, it's really hard to process it. It really helps to work through that with somebody you know, yeah. in a community that can really help, help anxiety with all the worry that we have. And I like what you said there about, um, our society working to de-stress or, or, um, counter the stress or treat the stress without treating the reason behind the anxiety. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not necessarily treated. I think it's above and beyond anything. It's, it's the awareness of why you're mm-hmm. anxious is really one of the things to to start putting your focus on or your attention on. Uh, mm-hmm. And over time, you can develop, like, why? Why am I anxious? Mm-hmm. I used to be really good at this. I think uh, a lot of people who perform on stage mm-hmm. know that if you're not, ang- if you don't have the butterflies, then your performance is going to fall flat. You're actually not paying attention. Yeah. 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 And I love the butterflies. Like... Oh. Yeah, I love that. I know it's a, and I'm also very familiar. Okay, this is the point where I start to really freak. Or <laughs> like, this is the point where, yeah, and it's and it's good to know that about yourself too, because um, it also comes in waves. It usually is not all the time, even though you think it's all the time. Like, it comes in waves, and it's telling you, hey, is there some action that we need to take to protect ourselves, to prepare ourselves? And yeah, just like I think performance is a perfect example of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we have an ability to dissect it and use performance as a great um, example because except for the actors who are doing it, there's no real world consequences. And I think that, yeah, that's why performances are are so popular throughout the ages. Um, 
there's no intended real world consequences when you're in, in theater. Now, of course, right. performance back in the early, early days was supposition to the nature and, and all that stuff, but it developed into this, you know, especially in, in starting in Greece and going all the way through, you know, in our Western culture, it's, it, it's a performance that you can see and you, you kind of, you can let go of your own shit for, for a couple hours um, mm -hmm. and then come back and, after, you know, you, the, all the things like get in your head and you can think about it and stuff. And I think that's why we get um, revelations from looking at mm -hmm. performance or listening to music. Mm -hmm. um, it's because the performance sucks you in, disengages you from your day-to-day -day anxiety and worry and, and mm -hmm. stuff. That's Hopefully it's going to do that. Mm -hmm. And then it sends the message and implants the message, whether it's music, theater, or dance, there's a theme going on and it's going to get into that head easier when you've been disconnected from your world and sucked mm -hmm. into the performance. And I mm -hmm. think that's one of the great, great things about it. One of the healing things um, about going to, to some kind of performance, it helps you. It, yeah. And back to this theme, it's also very connective. Like from sitting with an audience all looking in the same direction to facing performers, you know, and I think there's actually nothing more humanizing than being at a performance and, and the musician messes up. I'm thinking music because that's like my, my go-to or like someone, there's a mistake or something and everyone's heart kind of aches, <laughs> you know, that moment like, oh, and then you just get and you work through it and you keep going. It's like, it is just a song <laughs> or it is just a line in a play. You know, there's something that gathering is also really important. I think that's that's part of it too. It's like both transient and so lasting, like you said. I like that, yeah. And it is, It's a, it, because it's a shared experience, it brings people together. I like that. Mm -hmm. And it also, um, the performance itself, itself um, most of them uh, portray situations or problems or existential issues that are kind of every man that are universal mm -hmm. and it, it's like support groups it's like oh i don't feel so alone anymore there's other people who deal with this stuff mm -hmm. and that's one of the nice things about performances as well mm -hmm. and going back to uh noticing when people mess up um when when you're savvy it's like something um my acting teacher said and and was was reinforced by my singing teacher back in high school. If you keep going, just keep going and, and don't, you know, keep the game face on mm -hmm. and get back to the song or the performance or, or get back mm -hmm. to your, your lines without like, Oh, mm -hmm. then, um, not everybody's going to notice. And yeah. in and fact, maybe nobody better. will. You simply become better because it's like, Oh, I did that. The thing I was so afraid of making a mistake I did it and I kept going. So you're actually teaching yourself. It's still okay. And so then you're going to be less afraid next time because it's like you've had a mistake and you keep going. Like actually at the choir show that we had a few weeks ago that it went really without a hitch. It was amazing. Um, the, the, the band uh, guitarist had oh, on one song, the band's guitarist had his left his capo on the wrong fret and just started, started the intro. It was like, something was so wrong. And the choir director was like, hope, hope, like stop. And then he realized it. You could tell he was like, you know, he felt bad and he was embarrassed. And what I love is the choir director. She just laughed and she said, everyone give it up for the band. You know, and the whole audience just gave a round of applause. You could tell he was kind of like bashful, but like 
got it on the right fret, kicked off the song. And it actually upped the level of compassion and love in the room. You could yeah. feel it. Like, we're okay. So it's just a song. <laughs> and like, it's all so wonderful because we're just like these beautiful human beings, you know, that are just gathering around for an art form and to celebrate each other, you know, like the audience was just filled because, you know, it's a choir. So every person brings a couple people, the audience is full. <laughs> like, so it's really like all family and friends <laughs> that are just yeah. there to support the singers and vice versa and to support each other through, through song. But it was, it was a really, I just loved the moment and I loved how the director handled it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And that, that goes right back to connection. You know, that goes right back to bringing people back together. Um, and something like this too, is as people being asked for help, as well as the people asking for help, I think lightening the mood a little bit and, um, kind of remembering that this isn't a, this isn't life ending situation well for the most part <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, if we could if we could take the lesson from performing live performances where if you trip up just keep going just mm -hmm. just keep immediately give yourself permission forgive yourself mm -hmm. and just move on just um yeah. you know yeah, unless you have a heart attack in the choir and completely like fall over on the piano and break the piano and then there's no Also more not choir. your fault though. <laughs> right, right. Um, but we do, we do beat ourselves up so much over the littlest things when if we could develop the ability, uh, the habit, let's call it a habit. It's not an ability. Everyone, mm -hmm. everyone can do it. Mm -hmm. But if we developed the habit of being able to skip over those small mistakes and just get right back on track without mm -hmm. beating the hell out of yourself. Mm -hmm. I think, I think we as, as individuals and connectedness would go a lot further and we could reduce some of this, um, stress going out, mm -hmm. you know, the bad kind of anxiety. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. and yeah, what do you okay. think of like giving, um, because this, another thing like they, they've actually had in, you know, anxiety as a condition now. And I don't deny that it's there. I don't mm -hmm. deny that oh, it's yeah, there. It's in the, uh, my microphone is sitting on the DSM five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, see, yep. um, but, but my, my problem with anxiety, bipolar disorder, extreme depression, things like that is that, and you, you said this perfectly earlier in our conversation is that our culture is focused on reducing or removing the anxiety entirely. Mm -hmm. Whereas maybe there's a way to um, work with it and get to an underlying issue. And sometimes it just is. Mm -hmm. But if instead of treating them with, with drugs and medications that numb you out mm -hmm. and disconnect you from uh, the emotional side of your your life yeah. so that you're not hearing the messages that your body is telling you like you're anxious for a reason, but you're on these anti-anxiety medications. So it's keeping the bad anxiety out, but it's also keeping the helpful anxiety mm -hmm. from hitting. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And, you know, and I think there's, I don't know, different ideas about like 
what's the difference between stress and anxiety? The idea that stress is sort of a little more momentary, a little more kind of like reasonable given the situation. And then anxiety is stress that kind of is more lingers or is less, I don't want to say rational. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's totally fair. Um, you know, cause like, like we said, like there's so much that's not spoken. Like what if you really have anxiety about like an unsafe situation that, you know, your body is picking up on that cognitively you're not, you know, like I think there can't, you know, there's, there's things like that. Um, yeah. so, you know, I, and so then maybe it's also an active language saying like, well, maybe I'm not anxious. Maybe I'm like justifiably stressed about some stuff. And that feels a little more like, okay, we can talk about stress maybe more than anxiety. That is like a mental health disorder. Okay. Borg, we're in this is stress, which is like more like kind of things that I can talk about that I can process through. Cause that's what the anxiety is trying to tell you. Like you should be stressed about some of this stuff. <laughs> and I just like to posit that maybe anxiety is right with some stuff, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, and I think also some kids or just some people, if you're a more sensitive person, you know, some of us are just born into the world with, I think more nerve endings and, you know, especially I'm thinking about like some kids I know who are very concerned about injustice. And so I could say, Oh, I'm on the other side of that. I'm okay with that injustice. It doesn't give me stress, but somebody else can't sleep at night because of the polar bears, you know? And so are you going to say, Oh, that's a mental health disorder. You know, like some of us where, are very sensitive to this stuff. And yeah, where um, do you draw the line? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the zeitgeist of the day, the, the kind of public mm-hmm. opinion, so to speak, mm-hmm. because the line has been redrawn and changed um, drastically over the, just the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It yeah. held you. Well, I know it's like, you kind of feel like, oh, I ought to do something. I mean, there's always been those people, but you know, it's like, we're very aware of what's wrong in the world. <laughs> you can't turn it off. Like you can't, we can't feign ignorance anymore. And so the fact that so many of us have like a baseline anxiety, I think is completely understandable given um, how much is going on in the world and also how that shaped by media, you know, you only hear the bad news. Oh, so yeah. We only yeah. hear it. We're hearing a lot of bad news. Um, it's really hard to turn that off. And so, of course, there's anxiety. Like, that's our body being like, oh, bad news, better prepare. And even though it's like the bad news is if you're, if, you know, if you're living in a generally safe environment and your needs are met, the bad news is kind of big and existential and not yeah. present. It's not a saber toothed tiger at the hut you know, anymore. <laughs> but our brain doesn't know that. And that's actually what this book talks about. Our brain doesn't know that. It just, it's like, oh, there's threat. Then we better prepare. The first thing that happens is the world goes black. You just hear a little snap when your neck rolls back. You don't bite your tongue off or foam at the lips. And before you hit the ground, there's a moment of bliss. It's like token a spliff. It's like shedding your skin. It's better than the best train wreck there's ever been. You have to let it in, as much as it's upsetting, to wake up with bruises you don't remember getting. You don't remember how the hell you ended up indoors. You don't remember when.